Hey, we're going to start a new series that's going to take us from now uh, until the end of February. So four weeks um, that we're going to spend talking about anxiety. Uh, I'm excited about this slash I feel like I got a little anxiety thinking about talking about anxiety uh, just because it's one of those topics that is so pervasive, right? It's one of those things that affects us all on some levels and some more than others. And maybe we know people that struggle with anxiety and maybe even the series image when you see it, does it bring up any kind of emotions for you, good or bad? I sort of uh, like this. It reminds me of those um, public broadcasting, like we now interrupt your scheduled program for the test of the emergency broadcasting system. And when I was a kid, it would just be like the worst thing in the world, right? It interrupted cartoons, but it this, it's this thing that interrupts. And I think that's exactly what anxiety does for us in our life. It, it, it interrupts and disrupts our life. And some people, I think, would, are saying really that, that anxiety has become an epidemic, right? In the, in, the, in the Western world, for us, it's become a bit of an epidemic. We were doing this series and, um, with, along with Jenison, and so we were kind of coming together to pool our resources and do some research, and so we brought in um, a, a, a psychologist, therapist, um, people, a social worker that works within the schools, and it's unbelievable the stories that they were telling us, especially um, the folks that are dealing with even young kids that are finding it um, in, like hard to make it to school every day of the week. Like it's difficult for them to overcome this anxiety that they feel to even be able to come to school. That's hard. That is a thing that is. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of head nods, which is great. I, this is something that I think is gonna is gonna be helpful for us. Um, but it's also become a sort of anxiety is this catch-all phrase, though too. I think it can become. Um, a little skewed and overused when we think about it. Um, because I think you can be anxious about something and have feelings of anxiety without having this sort of clinical anxiety, right? And that there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference between the two. And it's actually, I was talking to, to Jody, and she was telling me it is really hard to diagnose anxiety because it's all over the place, right? You can experience symptoms of um, Sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, eating too much, not eating enough, um, being isolated, or the fear of um, being, having to be alone. So everybody experiences ang that kind of anxiety on a different level. So my biggest kind of fear coming into this was I don't want to be a church that talks about anxiety that says, pray more, love Jesus more, um, and you'll be fine. Uh, because while there are good things in, in Scripture, uh, I think Scripture has something to say about this, it's more complicated than that. And if you are a person that hey, this has been a road for you and you've found yourself a good therapist and you've found medication, praise God he gives us all those things. And I never want you to feel leaving this place in the next four weeks to feel any kind of shame about that because you are doing it right. If that is a, if that is a struggle that you have that it's become overwhelming for you, um, a therapist is good no matter what level uh, you deal with anxiety. I just want to make that really, really clear that I do not want to for one second oversimplify this thing. But it's a difficult thing to talk about because of the range um, of the way that people experience it and experience things differently, right? So I just really want to kind of speak to the spiritual side of things rather than the clinical one because a lot of times we get over-anxious, right? 
We get worked up about things, most of the time because it's difficult in the world that we live in to not be self-focused, right? Self-focused becomes we worry about things, we worry about ourselves, we worry about, if for me, I never really would have classified myself as being an anxious person or experiencing anxiety, but really, uh, I, I do, and when I do, it is nine times out of ten, it's about things that are so far outside of my control, right? Those things that I can't, I have no fear of or I have no, um, I have no control over. Things like, I, I remember I woke up so early the first time we had a service because I was like, what if they don't come? What if I, we have this other thing and we've done all this work and then no one comes? And I come in and I bow, I'm bounding in and I'm like, I got here super early and I'm so excited. And my anxiety comes off as like, I seem super happy and ready for the day. Nope. <laughs> That's how it sort of, you know, personifies in me. My mom's here today and I asked her if I could pick on her a little bit. My mom is a worrier. And especially, and I think she began worrying the, the day I was born. Um, I have caused my mother some anxiety uh, along the way. She's the kind of person that, this was before cell phones, right? So if I didn't call or check in, my friends would harass me all the time because we'd get to some place and I'd be like, hey, can I use your phone? I got to call my mom. You got to call your mom again? I was like, I, we went to a new place because if I don't call, I'm dead in a ditch for sure. My mother is a, it was a worst case scenario person and she, she couldn't help it. It was just one of those things. If I was late, she would be a mix of mad but so happy to see me. She'd be sitting like laying in the kitchen with her arms crossed in her bathrobe do you remember what I'm talking about? She does. Yeah. And she was like, wanted to strangle me at one time, but at the other time, she just, it was like this relief would come over her that I was home and that I was safe. It's those anxious feelings that we have that can sometimes, uh, we can lose track of, right? We can, we can become overwhelmed by some of those small things that, that are outside of our control. That always tries to, she still, she tries to convince me to stay home anytime it snows. So she's still, I'm almost 40 and she's still worrying about me, that kind of thing. If she could have afforded it, she probably would have bought me a Yukon or when I was a kid, it was like those Hummers, those really big Hummers. She wanted me to have one of those. Like an army grade tank would have been good for my mom. But it's these things, right, that cause us to sort of lose ourselves, right? We lose ourselves in those feelings for a minute and sometimes for, for a moment or longer periods of time, we, we lose the ability to function the way that we want to. It doesn't necessarily mean we shut down completely, but maybe we lose, we lose the ability to function at the level that we want to, right? Like we suffer relationships. We choose to stay home when normally we'd want to go out. Um, we choose to, even those relationships that we love, we keep them at arm's length because it seems like it's too overwhelming to engage that right now, even though it's good. Anxiety. Anxiety so often happens more when we're, we're more self-focused. And, and I say that because that's, that's who we are as humans, right? Like it's, it's, we're designed in that way, I think, in the world that we live in, to be thinking about ourselves and how we interact with the world and how we interact with other people. There's an old hymn that I used to sing at church when I was growing up, and, and I think they've, it's been redone a million times, but the words are, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim by the light of his glory and grace. And that's where I'm afraid that 
that I, want, I don't want you to hear that and for it to be oversimplified. But, I, but Scripture clearly has some things to say that might just be able to help. Not that it's going to be able to um, necessarily, this thing that's all of a sudden magically going to go away, but it gives us tools that, we can, that I think we can use and, and promises that we can stand on that can, that can just be helpful in, in life that, that we live. And so I'd like to, if you've got Bibles with you, um, the first scripture is Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7. And I'm going to, these first couple are going to be, you're going to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is the one. If you've ever experienced anxiety or have had, had difficulty with that, people um, will maybe throw, wonderfully lovingly throw Bible verses at you. This is probably like the number one thing, right, that you get. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcend all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let it wash over you. I'm saying it a little sarcastically, right? Like, it's true, and I believe it wholeheartedly, but sometimes that's how we're supposed to feel. Here you go. Here's your pill that you can take to make this better, and it's the scripture, and it's going to be great, and it's going it's to change you. Or this one. You heard uh, Derek read it in the beginning. He read the message version. Here's the maybe more familiar version. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Any one of you by worrying well, added, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? That's true. But ironically, reading these things, does that give you a little bit of anxiety? Sometimes it does for me because it feels like something I'm not, another thing that I'm not going to be able to necessarily live up to. Another thing of like my anxiety or, or your levels of worry and fear will sort of take over in you and you go, I know, but I can't do that. And I think sometimes it's meant to, it's meant to help and it does help because it is the truth. Like I don't want to misconstrue anything that I'm saying. That is the truth. That is absolutely a, 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 something that you can believe in and put your trust in, but it's hard, right? Like those things are, that is a difficult thing to do. How, how, can, I, how can I do that? How can I uh, give over that much the control? Because I can work myself up into a tizzy, as my grandma would say. <laughs> like how, how is somebody going how, how to react to what I'm going to say? Have you ever spent more time and energy over a text message in your whole life? Do you know what I'm talking about? When I first started in ministry, my friends would tell me, um, this young girl would tell me, you don't put enough emojis in your text message, so I think you're mad at me. 
So now I use emojis and exclamation points. Or you think somebody's mad because of the, the tone and you're worried about that because you tell yourself because you try to fill in the gaps and your maybe some of those anxious, fearful feelings take over. And it's not the truth, but it's those things that we, that we just do. Those things that we fill in the gaps when we feel like there's not enough information, our feelings can sometimes take over. I can't control how somebody's going to react to a conversation that I have. I can only control what it is that I'm going to say. But man, oh man, do I worry about it. That can, having a difficult conversation, even though I'm willing to do it, can, it can distract me for days. It will distract me with, with anxious feelings until I do it. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. I know it about myself, so I can sort of plan for it, but that doesn't make those feelings go away. And I, that's the thing. It's, we talk a lot about feelings, right? And feelings are good. We used to tell your kids, like, you're, you, it's important to have those feelings and to talk about those feelings. And we should be. Sometimes we joke about, you know, people who, like, you don't have any feelings <laughs> because you don't share your feelings. We have all these different, we run the gambit of level of comfort of talking about them, but we all have them. And all of them are, are okay. You have permission to feel however you're going to feel whether it's angry or hurt or happy or misunderstood or whatever those feelings are. Feelings are so, are so good and so um, allowed. Permissible is a great word. But we don't have to live out of those feelings. And that's often what we do, right? We're called to live out in, in truth, the truth that the gospel clearly spells out for us, but that's, that's difficult. We, we live out of our feelings and then we react out of our feelings. If we're, if we're angry, we just want to get, we get really angry and we want to lash out. You know, as older as we, we grow, right? You, you see a little kid sometimes, if they get mad and they'll be first to like push or punch or, you know, do whatever. And you get that phone call when you're a parent going, well, Johnny had a little issue with another kid at school today. But as we're older, we learn to sort of um, deal with our feelings differently knowing that we don't have to live out of those. But for some reason, when it comes to this one, anxious, feelings of being overwhelmed, uh, feelings of being, I think fear is one of those big ones that anxiety feeds off of and comes into. That's something that we often live out of. We can let it, it gets too big of a handle and we can't seem to let it go because worry is often a response to fear. When you're, you're worried because you're afraid that something will happen or has happened and will happen again. It can be this cycle, right? Like every time it like comes up and you're like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid again. What's interesting is that the Bible doesn't tell us anything or teach us anything that there isn't anxiety. It's a real thing, right? It's not that it doesn't exist. It's broken things and, and, and the people that won't trigger anxiety right? Moses experienced anxiety. He didn't want to speak. He tried desperately to get out of it, and I would imagine that the first few times he had to address the people, he was terrified. He was willing to do it, but oh man, I would imagine that it took a while for Moses to settle in to what God had called him to do. David wrote most of the Psalms, and if you read the Psalms, they are full of joy and praise and anger, and frustration, and crying out to God, 
resentment, there's lament, there's a whole range of feelings and emotions in the book of Psalms, mostly that David wrote. And then Jesus himself. Jesus himself prayed in the garden before he was supposed to die on the cross, and he asked God, please spare my life. In in scripture it says, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have to do this. I'm willing to, but Jesus himself said, I don't want to. Let's look at Ephesians. This is another, back to the Ephesians, the the verse that we, we started with, where it says, do not be anxious. The anxious word there, the Greek translates into like thoughts running wild. Right? So it's thoughts running wild around my mind. So when I think of like running wild, I think of like pre-K at like 4 p.m. Right? Like they're losing their minds, they've focused all day, that kind of thing. We're over-anxious, right? We're distracted, divided, pulled in a variety of directions all at the same time. For some of us, it might feel like we're being held underwater. Right? We can't see, we can't think straight. We're overwhelmed. We have these moments of that feels just like we're freaking out. We're coming undone. And each little thing feels like a weight that's big enough that's going to, this is going to be the one that takes me down, that's going to take me out of the game, that's going to be able to, to do whatever that looks like for you. My mind can feel like a powder keg, right? One spark and it's just going to ignite and it's, I'm gonna, it's going to be too much, and I have to just take a full stop. Whatever a full stop looks like for you. Whether it's when you hole up and just sleep and watch Netflix and just take a full-on break from the world, but when we're, we live in a life where we can't always do that. And that, even then, that becomes overwhelming. I don't have time for a break. I don't have time to do the things that are going to be good for me. We feel dismantled and attacked by these uncontrolled Thoughts and fears and memories and circumstances. So our positive aspect of thinking about these things can be, all right, I have to be careful of my thought pattern uh, about each thing so that I can live uh, this capacity and, and have this considered life that I can just, I don't know about you, but I, I don't really, I'm not good at that. <laughs> Right? Like, I, I, I kind of go right to my gut emotions, right? I, I go right there. And so some of the negative aspect of, of reality of most people, and it is for me, is to just sometimes to be afraid of our lives. Maybe some of you experience panic attacks because of that. It gets that overwhelming for you that it's just a, a, a time out. I, 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 can't, I can't do it anymore because we're exhausted and we don't see that there's rest in sight. And it doesn't have to be a current reality that can be a threat. Right? It can be a memory. Something that reminds you, a photo in your mind, a sound or smell, something that triggers that for you. That even though it's not happening in the moment, it brings all those feelings and emotions back in your anxiety, even when you're in a normal space that you should feel fine and wonderful, but there's something there. We call they call that a trigger. And that happens for you, and you go back to those places. And you so desperately don't want to. And then you sort of this spiral of, now I'm mad at myself because I went to that place. Your last relationship or marriage maybe ended badly, right? And so then it's like, how do I, I feel fear and intrepidation as I go into the next relationship because I'm afraid that I'm going to make the same mistakes or I'm going to get hurt again the same way that I was hurt. 
And so we can do a myriad of different things. I had a friend who's, um, I'm thinking of it now, uh, thunderstorms. Thunderstorms were a problem, right? Because she had an issue and their basement flooded and that was and this awful thing uh, because it causes all kinds of stress and all this stuff. And so it was such a terrible thing that and every time it would rain, it would be one of those, the, anxiety would sort of take over. Be concerned about when it's going to happen and where is it going to happen again. And, every, and then you just need a full break and you can't function because that one thing is coming back and it's washing you over and over and over and over again because it's leading to fear. Right? So we examine ourselves before the Lord. That's what he calls us to do. Examine yourself before the Lord instead of getting trapped in our own feelings. Because our feelings, even though they're good, when we sort of live out of them, they trap us, they confine us. Because we're allowed to be scared and worried, but we don't have to live out of them. You throw um, Psalm 139 on there for me, Jeff. Let me get there too. Psalm 139 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The anxious there is a little bit different word when you pull out the Greek. And it's to have um, disquieted thoughts, right? To be harried, right? Some, some, a little bit of the concept of the last one, but it's slightly different. It feels more like being frazzled or to have a flurry of things simultaneously trying to get the first place in line. You know what that feels like? That's just the life that I think that, we're, that we feel like we're supposed to live in this culture, in this busy culture that we have where busyness is like a crown of um, accomplishments. I'm so busy. Now you're now, everything's buying for your attention, right? Everything at the same time clamoring for first place to be heard. Now, now, now. And it screams at you. Right? It's when my, when my doubts and my cares and my burdens, there's a multitude of my thoughts and, and that worry and can threaten me. Right? This prayer is about learning what things yell at me and drag me off and keep me away from having an intimacy with my father. Right? Because they're trying to manipulate me to behave a certain way. And man, are they good at manipulating. Because when they do, I end up feeling alone, without help, abandoned, and unprotected. And that none of those things are true about who God is and who he says he will be. Isn't that funny? We believe and feel the opposite of what God promises us to be because the devil is busy at work, and we don't give sometimes the devil enough credit. That he is out to kill and steal and destroy, and don't you think for a second that he doesn't want to use you to do it to your own self. To have these moments of self-destruction that you end up feeling alone and abandoned. He wants you to feel anxious and harried and frazzled. He wants to destroy you. He wants to pull you away from your God. Not full of peace. God calls us to be full of peace, to be full of rest and comfort from knowing that God is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God's gift for us is to have capacity to, to be able to prioritize my thoughts and feelings and be able to deal with those things more effectively. Not that we don't have them, but that we can deal with them effectively, appropriately, 
being differentiated, right, from the things that are not for me to deal with. Because there's some things, and we're going to talk about that. I got to be careful that I'm trying to like not squeeze everything into today. We get three more weeks of this. But we're going to spend time just thinking about and talking about all the things that are so ridiculously outside of our control that we spend so much emotional energy on thinking about and worrying about. Right? There's plenty of things that are outside of my control. When we're frazzled and we're emotionally trapped, we can hardly see our way out. We, can, we don't even think to ask for help, right? We have this fight or flight mentality. So we either feel like we got to wake up and be ready to take on the day or we run in the opposite direction. Do you feel that way sometimes? Have you ever felt like in the morning, like you've got this day to face and you just decided to not to? I have decided to not to and have just take off running in the opposite direction because it feels easier. And sometimes that for me means I have not given my floors a good scrub in a while. <laughs> I think I should do that. So I put my, my energy into things that are seemingly good to do but are really just an excuse to not have to deal with the thinking and the feeling. And our culture is sort of fully immersed in this anxiety that we can hardly deal together, that we don't, we don't know what we can do anymore. Even for our non-Christian friends, they might not say it the same way. You might hear your friends say who aren't connected, they might say, it just feels like everything's falling apart. It's the same kind of thing. Okay, stay with me, we're wrapping it up. But here's the same word anxious in another passage. But this time it gives us sort of more context of solutions. Where's that hope? Um, where's that piece of saying, okay, Carrie, you're right, I'm, I'm tracking with you, I'm, I'm saying yes to these things, but so what now? Uh, Psalm 94 starts to give us a framework um, for uh, some of that, that hope. Let me give you a little bit of context. Right, This psalmist here was, in, um, was full of anxiety because of these proud, uh, wicked, arrogant, oppressive people um, most of them who were Israelites, right? Their wickedness against other people uh, was terrible. And, and, and he was afraid that the, they were going to bring judgment on everyone, right? So there was this fear that because of that, would God protect them from the wicked people, right? Would he rise up or would he forget? So that's kind of the heart of where the psalm is. So Psalm 94, uh, starting at verse 8, and we're going to jump around a little bit. So Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools. When will you become wise? Unless the Lord has given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Right, that anxiety, that, that word it, it, it just is the same as in Psalm 139, to completely, to be tormented by fears and a sense of utter hopelessness. Because that's how it feels, right? It feels hopeless sometimes. It, that things that make us anxious and afraid have these shrill, loud, shrieking voices that are louder than anything else in our lives, including the very voice of God. Right? But for that anxious fear, the psalmist remembered there is this ability to rely on God, right? to be wise. He says to be wise. To be wise in one that is able to live the considered life. right? To know that what God's will is and to do it that way. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he did, or when Jesus, before he was on the cross, Jesus said, take this cup from me. I don't want to, but I will. 
Because what was the next phrase? Not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. It's hard to live that way. Not my will, but your will be done. To be attentive, to understand, to be prudent, to be able to look around, to differentiate from the flurry of the storm that's happening all around you, to not be overwhelmed by all the things, all the different pieces, but to have capacity to to deal with each piece appropriately and in the right order and and be able to just simply take things one at a time. I know what needs to be addressed, what needs to be delayed, what I can delegate to somebody else because it doesn't have to be on my plate. Man, oh man, is there freedom in that. But it's hard work. It's hard work, but it eases some of those feelings of being anxious because it all starts to make sense, right? That, That anxious heart is on its own, right? In the middle of life, trying to figure it all out, trying to deal with it, trying to do it all. But the wise heart is the heart that is reliant on God in the middle of life, looking for action and direction and understanding. God is in the midst of those things, and we're not alone because anxiety wants to tell us the lie that you are, that you have a reason to be worried and afraid God says, you're you're not doing this alone. You might be worried and afraid, but I am with you. The wise heart is resilient and reliant on God in the middle of those things. It denies ourself. We talk about this a lot, what it means to say, I'm not going to live in or live out of some of these feelings that I have, but I'm going to deny those things of myself and put my faith and my hope and my trust in God and who he says he is and how I can rest on those promises. Not because it's going to magically go away, but because he promises to walk with me in it and through it, and that alone can bring us some relief. Right? The psalmist knew some things that I need to know. Right? That in the middle of, of deep anxiety from, from circumstances, from people, from the wicked, wickedness in the world, whatever it is, that even in the terrible things that have happened to you or are happening to you, even if you're in the midst of those things, the thing to strive and to see and to understand is that giving those things over to God matters. That in those difficult moments, we can. He asks us to. He says, cast your cares and anxiety and burdens on me. There's comfort. There's joy. God can take those things if we let him, if we allow ourselves to give them to, give them to him because by seeing things the way that God sees them, right? We get loud and we can drown out that voice that speaks truth. And he helps to see me and my life and my stress and my anxious thoughts more clearly. He brings clarity and he brings joy. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into this false narrative of who you are and what you're feeling. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk, we're going to do much more of a, of a deep dive into anxiety. We're going to talk about our behaviors, our thought life, the things in this world that are outside of our control. Uh, it's going to be good. I, I hope that you will join us uh, for the next three weeks as we delve into this. And if, if you have things to tell me, the things that I need to know, things that struck you about today because you're like, Carrie, I, that resonates with me or I think you are dead wrong. I want to hear about those things because I'm learning as I go. And for some of you that have maybe been walking that road a while, I would love to hear your story.
because you have been in it and know it maybe in a different way. And so we just want to have a conversation together because the God that loves us leads us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we desire and commit to humble ourselves before you, to surrender ourselves under your mighty hand because you know us. You know our, our, our hurts and our, our worries and our desires. You are wisdom and might, glory and majesty and love. It's your hand that lifts us up from our trouble. You pick up all our anxieties if we can just give it to you, if we can let it go because you care for us. God, bless us with sober minds and clear thinking to recognize the devil and to see clearly his schemes, to just have capacity to resist him and to stand firm in our faith, even in the gardens of temptation, in the deserts of despair, the darkness of doubt and confusion. God, help us to be connected, right, to our families, to our church families, to our friends, to the people that know us and love us most because they can help us too. Remind us often that we're not alone. We don't suffer alone and we don't have to. God, God of grace, you, you've called us. You've called us to endure suffering and to wait for your restoration. So keep us strong, keep us firm, keep us steadfast. God, to you be all glory and power forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.